And welcome everyone to the Between Two Wheels podcast. We're going to do an open first. We are going to do it live. Sorry about the little mishap. Hey, a lot of problems going on here. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but two weeks in, no, we're in the second week of the Tour de France. Uh, they've already have a rest day in the books, and we're going to talk about stages six through 10, get us caught up on that. Who, and the GC battle is taking place, but who outside of Slovenia and Colombia even has a chance of winning this thing? We'll go over that as well. Uh, COVID-19 testing is in the books, and four teams got a strike against them. We will break that down, how that all is, some things that make you go, hmm, the ride of the week, and why does Flow Bikes, why, why do they feel that the between two Wheels podcast is a threat. We'll go over all of that. September 8, 2020. This is the Between Two Wheels podcast, episode 193. I thank you, everybody, for joining in. We're, we're, we got to go on Facebook Live today. There's a there's a whole thing. Flow Bikes uh, took our site down, basically. Look, um, is this an illegal feed? Basically, what we have here is you're able to do fair use content. You can take clips of uh, you know the part of the race. And I, which I've done over and over for, we have 193 episodes. We've done this many, 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 many times. Um, and they put a fair use strike or a copyright strike. Flow Bikes did for when we used on the last show, showing um, Sepcus and some others in the last uh, kilometer up the climb. I did some commentary over that. And basically Flow Bikes said, um, that's a fair use claim or, or a copyright claim. And they are they struck our channel, uh, which took it down. We can't even do live feeds on there and um, had to go through a contest period, which I've done before and they're, they're always fine. Uh, basically you can formulate and you can take your, ooh, a legal battle right up your alley. Thanks, thanks Eric Houston, um, talking about that. Um, and what we have is uh, a fair use claim. You can take it if you reformat the, the information to your own good, hey, look out there, uh, Tyler Pierce, vegan cyclist. He has a video breakdown of NBC showing Froome a few years ago, going down the descent. Um, I think into Laurent, um, one of those we had the other day and he does this breakaway. It's got a hundred and some views. You see these all the time. We've done this over and over uh, and you can use those as fair use. If you reformat it, uh, the original, original portion that you have, but now you have it on your side and you change it to what it is. Basically doing your own commentary over that. That's what I've done. Um, it's fair use claim, um, but it struck our channel to the point where uh, they take forever. They just, and people use this as a weapon too. You go and uh, you don't like something that someone says, you just fair use claim or a copyright claim. That person then has to fight it. And until they, they get it resolved, it takes time. So I can't even live stream there. So we're live streaming here on Facebook and we'll do, um, look, I had a little vacation, not a vacation. I drove my son up to the Northwest. He's going to college. Uh, dropped them off up there. Just didn't. I watched the tour, but I didn't have a chance to do any commentary on it. So I thought we would break down. Uh, so uh, well, first of all, I just thought uh, flow bikes, F you. And um, <laughs> but this is not a channel to be concerned about. Okay. First of all. Second of all, um, this this is it's not a good timing for all this in general. Maybe it was because I had recommended NBC over flow bikes for uh, content and price on that exact show. Coincidental? Probably not. I don't understand. It's a it's a very minimal amount of viewership that we have here. But thanks uh, for restricting us a little bit. Um, let's get into and if you guys want to make any commentary um, comments, hope everyone can hear everything on the the channel. Um, you want to make any comments? We'll put your uh, comments up on the screen, which we do also on YouTube. There you go. Eric Houston said, "Ooh, a legal battle right up your alley." Um, I don't know if this is the kind of one I want because I'd prefer to just. Um, 
just be able to have the show. Okay, let's talk about, um, we'll do some quick recapping of this and then some commentary. Once again, quick, easy show, in and out. And then hopefully the next few days, uh, even though I have some court and some other um, issues of my own, which are my job, then uh, we'll still try to get some quick shows in here and reactions after the stage as best we can. Uh, stage five, we, we did have a show about that. It got, tech, like I said, took down on YouTube. And I did not save the, the, the video beforehand, which I should have done. So I'll, lesson learned. Otherwise, I'd just reformat it, take that portion out, and pop it up there. Uh, stage five, though, was won by Wow. Julian uh, Alifli lost the lead to Adam Yates on that day. We remember that from the um, the issue that we had with his illegal feed, much like mine, but this is a different type of feed. Um, stage six, we saw Nilsson Palace uh, got in a break with Lusenko and ended up losing that a uh, little maybe over-aggressive. And uh, Jonathan Vodders isn't always the kindest to his writers um, when it has some of these issues. So... Um, Basically, he got a little aggressive on the really steep climb coming into the finish, or you know, about 15k out, and Lutsenko just was easily able to uh, come back up to him and then finally distance him uh, when he had a chance. Uh, but it was a very impressive group that you had there. You had Lutsenko, Greg Van Avermaet, uh, Jesus Harada, and then the B no GC battle uh, behind, which you kind of thought there might be, but it didn't end up uh, coming to fruition. Um, Alaphilippe gets a little few tries to get a second at the finish there. And Yates remained in yellow. Uh, stage seven, uh, wind day, uh, chaos from the start. You had Bora Hansgrohe ripping the field apart. Uh, Ineos tried to rip the field apart as well. Port lost some time. Pogacar lost some time. Landa lost some time. Carapaz, he ended up flatting out of the front group. Um, Wout decided at the last minute to sprint, and he goes ahead and takes the win. Uh, he saw an issue that um, would make, make, maybe came back to, to haunt uh, uh, Jumbo a little bit. Uh, Sepp did a lot of work in the front, as did uh, Bennett. And both of those guys were then not able to help out much the, the following day uh, up the climb. And uh, Sepp attributed a lot of that to just being on the front on the, the flat day. He said that wears him out worse than a climb. Uh, it looked like he maybe had a little hunger flat as well. He would commented that to Horner on um Twitter, so maybe that was part of the issue as well. Uh, Yates remained in yellow. Coming to stage eight, we had some mountains in the Pyrenees finally. Uh, Paulus, once again, he joins the break. Um, he decides to go straight off. I don't know if anybody saw that. He, he tried to do his best lance um, and went off the road, but he didn't get off the bike. He gets back on. It was a lucky spot that he, he happened to be there. Um, he ended up with an impressive fifth place. You had Zacharin and uh, Nans Peters up the front. Uh, Tom's uh, Scoins was also up there. Uh, Zacharin would get the lead over Nans on the, uh, the two, the penultimate climb, climb to the finish and um, descended horribly. Everyone is watching this in horror. Um, and, and then some people are like, hey, you know, take it easy. It's just, well, you know, I'm sorry, this is a skill set. This is one something you can actually improve. I heard someone say, hey, maybe send him to the Thibaut Pinot School of Descending. Pinot was known for basically having mental breakdowns uh, several years ago in the Tour de France trying to take some of these descents and uh, not able to uh, hold hold his own at all. And um, Zacharin looked like it was really bad. I also heard, uh, maybe it was a cycling podcast, we were talking about Zacharin a few years ago. The team sent, a, when he was with uh, Katusha, sent a rider up the front just to help him get off the front and so that he would be able to help nurse uh, Zacharin down the fin uh, on one of the climbs. He still loses like 10 minutes. It's pretty bad. Uh, Nans Peters, um, maybe there's a translation thing, but he said he didn't wasn't too fearful when he saw Zacharin descending like a goat. Is that a good or a bad thing? I think he just means it looked like he was running downhill on high heels because uh, that's kind of what the goat's doing. Um, Zacharin couldn't go downhill well. Uh, like I said, Palace was an impressive fifth on that day. Uh, did have a GC battle to climb. Uh, Sepp Cuss got blown out before he even got a chance when Wout Poles was on the front. 
Um, then Tom Dumoulin said, hey, he radioed to his team and said, uh, I'm not feeling well. I'm going to you know, do what I can. He goes to the front, kind of explodes the group. Pogacar attacks. The distance Bernal. Roglic goes up to him. Pogacar attacks again. No one wants to go with him. And he sets a torrid time up the Parasword, which I think he ended up putting 55 seconds or so into everybody. And also, the, I think, the fastest time that they've, they've really had up the, the Parasword. Um, Pogacar was was hugely impressive. Uh, what you didn't have, though, was Roglic or anybody going with him. And I think that could come back. And maybe that's none of the riders really had a team a member up there. I think Port was up there, maybe with Malema, but those two guys are more like hanging on rather than supporting each other. Um, uh, Bernal did not look like he was in good spot. As a matter of fact, they kept distancing him, and I think that might come back to haunt as he just is going to get better and better. And you saw uh, the following day as well. Uh, Yates held tough. He got distance as well, but was able to come up because they just kept letting Pogacar going up the road. And uh, Roglic looked uh, very well on that one as well. So you have the GC shaping out with Yates, Roglic, and Martin. Uh, Pogacar got some time over everybody kind of that he had lost in the windy days. He ends up being able to bring some of that back and that a uh, little bit of uh, positive for him. Then you go on stage nine, and um, I think you saw the – uh, ability of Jumbo being able to kind of reassess themselves. They put Sep Cuss on the front a little earlier to make sure that he was still able to do some work. Um, let's talk, first talk about Dumoulin on that. So um, I even saw Kreuzwick, his teammate who didn't make the tour because he was injured, said, I think it was unnecessary what he did. Um, it's hard to kind of break down what teams are doing as far as their um, strategy. And I don't think the team planned on doing that. I don't know that Tom needed to go to the front and pepper everyone as he did. It narrowed the group down and blew him out. He ends up losing two minutes. Why not just sit in there? Was there a need for him to, at that time, to try to explode everybody up? I don't think so. Uh, so maybe it was a little bit of bad timing for him. But he essentially takes himself out of the running. He ends up doing similar work on stage nine as well, which was helpful. That climb up the Mary Blanc was so steep. It was short. For, for tour climbs, five, six K or so, but it was really steep. Um, he yeah, saw so Mark Hershey of Sunweb. We had seen him in stage two lose narrowly to Julian Alaphilippe. He ends up taking a flyer around 80 K and he's soloing out there looking very strong, former under 23 world champion. And uh, behind, like I said, Sepp rebounded. He was able to do some good work for Roglic. Um, he had Pogacar, Roglic, Bernal. Bernal, uh, he also rebounded and he was able to do some attacks, but um, Landa, Roglic, Bernal, uh, I'm sorry, R Landa, uh, Roglic, and Pogacar were all able to stay with him. A little bit of distance on a uh, group behind. Yates lost a bunch of time, but Iran, um, Martin, uh, Bardet, Nairo, they all felt, fared well, but not quite as good. Um, over the top, there was a time bonus, uh, which uh, the first one was taken by Hirsch, who was up the road with him. He had a little bit over a minute going into that. And then you had Roglic and uh, Pogacar, uh, sprinting out for the time bonus at the top, which you ended up seeing almost uh, Pogacar going into the barriers with a crossed wheel <laughs> with Roglic. All good there. It looked like he just was looking the wrong direction. Both, but if you took into that and you saw that finish, which Hirsch couldn't because he's up the road, you saw that those two guys both had a kick. And, um, you know, look with this 20-some or 15, 20K descent down into the finish there, uh, they, it's not quite the same racing to the top of the Col de Marie Blanc as you would normally see, but you were able to say, hey, these guys both had a kick. And then you have this harrowing descent, which uh, it was really interesting to watch Hirsch go down, especially comparing it to the day before with Zacharin, uh, just bombing the descent, coming into these corners super hot, being able to hold his lines and doing just fine. Uh, but 
eventually the group of four were too much. They ended up overtook him and about three K to go. Hirsch comes in, sits on and you're like, okay, look, Hirsch can sprint. Well, it's a good strategy trying to get off the front, but at some point you just sit up, let these guys catch you sit on, let them uh, hammer. Cause they're trying to take time on the GC and then uh, sprint. So he does that tightening his shoes, uh, Hirsch and with the problem you sat. And I think, look, Everyone's learning. You're taking into account what you've done previously. Stage two, you saw him with Julian Alaphilippe coming on very late and almost getting him at the line. It was a bike throw, um, and he was boom, 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 another you know 10 meters or so. Uh, he would have probably had the win. So he's thinking of this. I need to go early. These guys are you know, GC guys are crushed from behind. They're little climbers. I'm going to take them. And he launches his sprint around 200 meters. He opens it up, but Pogacar and Roglic close him down, both of them. Pogacar gets the win, gets the post up, and Roglic gets him as well. A little bit of a crush for Hirsch, but also one where, once again, he learned from the Julian Alaphilippe, but he overcooked it by trying to go too early. That is not a situation. I, I think he needed to react to those guys rather than be the reactionary himself and instigate that sprint. Bummer for him, but you get a Slovenian. Pogacar gets his first win, and I think Roglic had won coming down the hill into on 2018 in that same town, so a little Slovenian conglomeration there uh behinds like i said yates blows so now you have um roglic in yellow pogacar is up there port martin um it's all a good one yates and chavez uh chavez has been distancing himself so um but roglic in first place at this point stage 10 we had stage 10 today a little bit different i think i'm going to play here uh jonathan scriven just what he had said in our preview show and uh get a little indication of what he said uh, of the preview for this stage. Hang on. But I do know that it's Pau to Laurent. Okay, so uh, that's stage nine. Then we have a rest day out there, and then right. we go to stage ten, which uh, right. looks like uh, unintelligible. Uh, you can't, can't pronounce that. What is? It? What yes, are they doing with these words? Yeah, the Ile d'Oléron. So, so the next three stages are all stages where I haven't spent a lot of time. Okay, but this is um, to give you sort of the lay of the land. This is that typical Western. It's 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 in the Berg, uh, in the Bordeaux region. It's very very flat. Right. Okay? Well, look at the stage very profile flat. there. Okay, I'm look. I see it now. Again, there's two things that 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 stick out to me. If it's if this is in July, one is heat. Okay, which I don't think we're going to get. And the second is wind. Um, and so you have sort of three stages in a row where those are the main features, I mm -hmm. think. You go into a place called Poitiers, and there are some rolling hills in Poitiers. I've been, I've been to Poitiers, but you're talking about essentially three days where um, I don't know if it's sort of like catch your breath or if it's um, breakaways or what have you, but, but uh, they should be relatively uneventful you can see up there in the west where, where we are now in the yeah that's quite the transfer that they all right so we had a little un he started going into stages 12 and 13 which we'll talk about here in a little bit but but the point really there is the wind uh, which you can expect up the coast and exactly what we saw today the teams were uh, concerned about that uh, there were a lot of traffic islands so you ended up with uh, like four at least four separate crashes along the way we had crashes of palace i saw him go down it wasn't his fault it looked like a guy who was on the near the right side there's a rider on his right and just the guy domino effect crashed into him so we'll see how that how he does i think uh, nairo went down Guillaume martin went down lopez pogachar they all went down at one point all of them were able to regain. It looked like the, the field really split. You're looking at about 25 or so K to go. Uh, they're taking a different direction. It had been block headwind. Now they're coming into a cross. And 
what you saw first was Ineos looking to gutter everybody, and they go up on the left-hand side as a crosswind, and it's getting guttered, and then um, uh, Jumbo comes up there, and they, they do a little more sympathetic move where instead of the wind coming from the right and they're all congregated on the left side of the road, Jumbo actually moves to the right side of the road and creates a little bit more space, and then you've got to have, and it slowed things down a little bit, and, you're, and then took some other turns. And you ended up seeing uh, Guillaume Martin come back up to the front. You saw Lopez come back and Pogacar. I think they'd all, all gone down at that situation. And then you're coming into the sprint uh, while Poles is pulling, and it looks like 3K to go. He brings Roglic into the, the 3K. Everything's safe. And typically, at least the last few days, you're like, oh, well, he'll just sit on the front and win. But he decided to drift back. Uh, as it was, Sunweb comes to the front with a, I don't know who they're leading out because uh, the last guy takes a, a little bit of a, not a flyer, but he's, he's doing the sprint um, outside of, you know, 300 meters to go. And uh, there's no one behind him. So I don't know if Case Bowles got squashed somewhere, but they had a good lead out up until that point. And then it was a little bit more of a minimized lead out with um, Sam Bennett on a teammate's wheel. Caleb Ewing looking great there on a third wheel. Uh, behind Sam Bennett, and then um, you had um, you had uh, Sagan uh, looking fourth place. And as it was, no, no, the only thing that changed was the lead rider. Lead rider splits off. He gets in the way of Caleb Ewing. Ewing has to go around. I'll show you the clip, but uh, afraid to get in trouble with that. And Caleb Ewing ends up coming around, and at the end, he could not come around. Sam Bennett. Sam Bennett gets the win. It's somewhat of a not a bike throw, but it was it was fairly close. Half wheel there. And uh, Peter Sagan in third place. Um, as it is, I think Bennett then takes the green jersey. He, uh, you know, finally Sagan looked to be able to hold a wheel uh, on a sprint instead of getting like top 10. Um, he was somewhat close to those two guys. Uh, Caleb just was never able to fire it up. And Sam Bennett was quite emotional. Uh, crying Irishman narrowly wins over Caleb and Sagan. Uh, GC Saint-Jean changed with uh, Roglic in first place. Bernal in second at 21 seconds. And, and like I said, I think, uh, well, let's go through the finish here. Guillaume Martin, 28, Roman Bardet, 30 seconds, Quintana at 32, Iran at 32, Pogacar, 44, Yates at 102, Lopez at 115, and Mikael Landa at 142. So Landa lost a bunch of that time on the wind day. Pogacar lost some time that day as well, but he gained, took about half of that back. Uh, Yates ends up, you know, losing a minute too. And we'll talk a little bit of story about why maybe he's not doing so great. Um, but I think you saw Bernal was suffering. He was two or three times he was coming off the wheels on stage eight, not being able to close those down. And um, Roglic, instead of doing what he could to maybe distance him, now there was the long stretch over the top and he didn't have teammates with him. Maybe that was his concern, wasting his energy there. Could be. But what you saw the very next day was a similar situation, but this time Bernal was on the attack and he had obviously come good, and you're only going to see him getting better. You saw that last year in the Tour, and then the, the stages up in the Alps are going to be at really high elevation, him being from Colombia. That usually seems to suit him well. Um, COVID-19 testing. So they had, they're doing this thing where it was a two-strikes rule that the Tour has implemented. Well, that was their idea to begin with. They got a lot of pushback. With that pushback was... Two team, uh, two people on your uh, team test positive, include staff members. We're going to kick them out, and the whole team. Okay, uh, teams push back against that. The UCI is like, oh, okay, well, it'll just be two riders. But then the uh, French government said, nope, it's going to be that way, and that's the way it's going to be. And so, therefore, they're back to that. And basically, I think some teams have been doing some testing themselves, 
but they did a big slew of tests on the rest day and uh, leading up to it, and all the teams were going to be tested. It was kind of this big breakdown. Now, you start on stage eight. They're going up this big climb out in the Pyrenees. Those fans, the Basque fans, are known to be a little excessive, and you saw a bunch of people uh, up on the mountain yelling at the riders without masks on. It was a little bit much, uh, uh, optics-wise, for what you'd think. So um, I know Dave Toll, uh, announcer, he put a tweet out of like, oh, you think the – think the legal feed is going to be bad wait till they have all these tests coming back well the tests come back today uh no riders are positive but there were four teams that ended up uh, having a medical staff or, or, or not a medical staff but a staff member on their team test positive ag2r had one Ineos had one mitchton scott had one and copidus also the tour director christian prudhomme was a positive test and he's been sent home as well <coughs> part of the question hang on part of the question though is um First of all, I couldn't find this out. Who is doing the testing? Now, um, it had also been discovered that uh, the Corner Quick Step thought that they had might have a positive test. They took a, a rider or staff member back away in an ambulance. And then, you know, there's been all these um, false positives that have come out. So the testing procedure is they do a test. If it's a positive test, they do an additional test and an additional test. So they do three tests to confirm this to make sure. And I think they had had a false positive. They had ended up being kind. They being Decoin to Quick Step. Everything's fine with that. Question is, if you have a negative, do they do they do the three as well to make sure that it's not a false negative? I, I don't believe so because they're just kind of hoping to hey you're you're negative get out of here run away, and we're good to go. Um, so, but then question is, who's doing the testing? Chris uh, Flower. Um, mentioned to me he goes well look you know, lance tested positive a bunch and they just kind of you know push that under the rug good question i don't know if it's medical staff it's they said there was a laboratory mix-up on the decoin quick step first one it's questionable um is it really about is is a medical staff doing it is it uci doing it because there's obviously some some credibility issues for the uci staff so i don't know how how really that plays into it but also it's just um this is just a scare for for all the teams so now you have those four that have a, a one one positive those people all sent home um i also heard that a lot of the teams are bubbling within their bubble so you have uh, staff you know ones that don't ever have to communicate and, and connect with the the riders those ones are never doing anything uh, there's people that go out and get supplies or cooking those besides that part there's no connection with the rider so they're really trying to keep you know those bubbles and, and as one of those people that are out there that got a positive are they were they even connected so it kind of sucks for the riders so you're getting a staff member those guys have different jobs they have to be more out in the i say more out in the public they're probably less well i mean you know you got someone has to go to the store and get food and and you know the, do those things maybe uh team needs a tool or something and they're, they're kind of a little more connected with uh, the associated public even though you have the riders going up the climb i just think the way that the science is on contracting this on a climb it could be but if you're on the open road that's likely not going to happen you're not going to be in front of this person for 10 15 minutes um you're out in the wind but a climb could be more but yet you didn't see any positive uh, from the riders so you've got these staff members and it's going to really suck in that case and so then the question is who what is the testing for is it testing to um, limit the exposure and protect the rider's health or is it actually to limit the spread around the country and i think it's probably limit the spread around the country well if the ones that are mainly going out and doing that are the riders they're not really and they're not positive they're not the the problem and then those other staff members you're sending them home and quarantining them as soon as that happens this is really a little more of a microcosm of, of what's going on in the country rather than a problem so 
Um, a little disappointed to, that we got four positives here, but in this, also in the sense, um, that's good to know. No riders have been testing positive. And you may see a difference if another staff member comes up that um, rules get changed. All right, possibly. Uh, Tour de France Media. Thought I'd uh, mention something on this real quick. Um, Chris Horner, who does uh, a former you know, Vuelta winner, Tour de France rider, long time uh, number 13, I don't know. Um, he, he does announcing for uh, NBC, which I don't watch, even though I don't watch flow bikes either, though. I, I watch uh, I watch NBC, but I watch uh, Andrew McCawson and um, Simon Garrens do a really good job. And then when that tour and then I flip over and see the NBC post race coverage with uh, Horner and he's he does it. Horner's well known for his strategy and he just has a different way of thinking, I think. And it's pretty perceptive. But um, also discovered he has a little YouTube channel he just started up for the tour, and it's called the Butterfly Effect. So look at that. He does a you know eight minute breakdown with a really crappy microphone, <laughs> or maybe just using his his uh, cell phone. I don't know. But um, he has a, always a unique perspective on uh, a lot of the stuff, and uh, I, I I enjoy it. He's uh, one of the better ones. So if you don't like this show, that's perfectly fine. Uh, check his out, and maybe that's what you will see. Let's uh, let's take a look at see who. Um, They've given us an update on who the riders that have been fined so far in this tour. See if there's any additional ones. Uh, I usually try to check this. Um, stage three, the updated stage six, Mahoric, sticky. So there's getting a lot of people for sticky bottles. A regular feed, sticky bottles should not ever be uh, disposal outside the, the, the inappropriate. This is an interesting inappropriate behavior for guy nivs for the usual startup nation is uh urinating in public during the race um same with niels pullet stage seven hugh carthy sheltered behind a vehicle following a vehicle's wake uh 13 points deducted from the sprint classification one point from the mountains he wasn't going for any of that um charlie wiggles Wig uh, from ef shelter and so he was doing that so it's one of the riders probably mccarthy um Car hugh carthy he got taken out on that um Stage nine, Mark Hirsch, unauthorized refueling in the last 20K of the stage, 200 Swiss ranks, 20 second penalty on GC and disposal outside the waste. Uh, Mateo Trenton, disposal of waste, uh, a lot of disposal of waste. I know they have a, a zone that they're supposed to be using for that. And, um, you know, come on guys, it's not that big a deal. It's just, and, and you know, someone like Mateo Trenton, you really can't just hold your, um, your, your stuff. You're not really caring about the weight going up a climb, are you? Uh, possibly. Also, um, Egan Bernal, there was a, let me see if I can pull up the video, uh, the, the, sorry, not the video, the actual picture of him. Um, he got his haircut and it looks pretty atrocious. So <laughs> he said, um, I cut my hair myself, I think I failed. Yeah, and if you were able to actually see the, the, the picture of it, you would, you would agree so as well. He said, I cut my hair, um, go back here. I cut my hair myself. I had some time yesterday. This is, this is what happens when you're bored at the tour and you have a rest day. Um, I cut my hair myself. To tell you the truth, I cut more on one side than the other. Bernal told French television after stage 10, admitting his ability to manage hairpins extends only to climbs and not coiffering. I had to shave everything at the end. I missed a bit. I think I failed. Uh, yeah, he actually did. So let's, uh, let's take a look and see if we can um, project to everybody what this picture actually looks like that's him uh with his head shaved on the sides not so good here's him <laughs> after this stage this looks horrible uh he cut it up the side well that's gone there he cut it up the side and with that then he just shaved it all around the edge and looks like he left the top 
wide open so it's mopped over. Um, this is the kind of problems you have in the tour when you have too much time on your hands, people, and you're not uh, having a roommate because you're um, not sick, you're, you're bubbling everything up. Uh, Adam Yates, he said he had some kind of parasite just before the Tour de France started. Uh, the British rider's first race since the lockdown was a Criterium du Daphne just a couple of weeks before the Tour. He had some kind of parasite. There was a lot of vomiting. We think fountain water he drank, said the team, to, according to BBC Sport. It knocked him for six. I don't know what that means. He had 10 days completely off the bike, then two or three weeks when he certainly uh, was certainly on restricted training, and that was right at the time when he was going to go hard in training. So look, he's lost a minute too. Maybe this is actually something that um, he's going to be okay with. Uh, could be that he, once he recovers from this, he'll start to get into shape here, and he's already holding well, very well, for having a, a parasite. You know, it's a funny story. Uh, I think it was Ben Day. He's an Australian rider, um, rode for Jelly Belly. Is that who it was? One of those teams. Uh, in the U.S., and he had won the Redlands Classic, uh, maybe like 2010, somewhere around there. Uh, then he goes out, and he, he wasn't feeling well, and he was supposed to schedule the next week to do um, Tour Gila. Uh, before he goes out there, he said he went on a training ride, came home, he went to the bathroom, he had a dangler, and ended up pulling on it. It was a three-foot tapeworm that he'd had in his system for quite some time, but it broke off as he's uh, trying to excommunicate it from his body, and um, he ended up I think he, I don't think he finished the tour Gila, but he was in a lot of problems that, you know, you're pretty sick at that point. Uh, it's pretty nasty. So I don't know if it was to that extent, what, uh, Adam Yates had, it sounds probably not because he said they had some water and then they came upon him pretty quick. Once again, Ben Day wins the uh, Redlands classic with a parasite. So he was, uh, carrying an extra load. You can say upcoming stages, um, tour de France. We've got stages 11 tomorrow through the weekend and, Tomorrow's Wednesday, uh, Chateauleon Plan to Portier, 167 kilometers. This is also what Jonathan Scriven was talking about. Um, and then Chavonet to Saran, 218 kilometers rolling climbs, but not a GC day. Um, then we come into Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So Friday, you end up up the Puy Marie, 191 kilometers. That's got a one, a cat one, a cat three, and then a two, and then a three, and then a three, and then a two, and then a one. That looks pretty bad. And the last cat one climb, um, actually has a time bonus on there. I think that one has a downhill. No, that has an uphill finish. Uh, the last cat two has a, a time bonus. So the cat two before the prior, the, the finishing cat one has a bit of a kick up there. Uh, you're getting a little bit of a time bonus. Uh, Saturday, then you have stage 14. That's got five climbs, a four, a two, a three, and two fours. It's, it's a day more for hyping the pressure for the following day than uh, actually, you know, climbing itself, but it's just a, a, another day of added fatigue into the riders. Uh, stage 15, Lyon to the Grand Colombier, uh, 175 kilometers mountains. It's got, it's kind of flat to begin with. Then you got a cat one, a cat one, and then boom, you have a ore category climb up the Col Grand Colombier, which, um, I think it's a pretty long climb. So maybe in the excess of double digits on the kilometers. So that will be interesting. And you know, that's, you might start to see if there's any cracks in the Jumbo Visma train there. Cause I think that's kind of the, um, the hometown type of feel for Egon Bernal, great climber, but he does like those long, long climbs and he ends up uh, doing quite well on those. So that, that'll be really interesting to see if that's going to come up. Uh, ride of the week, we're going to get two riders here, uh, Tade Pogacar and Mark Hirsch, uh, both deserving kind of on the same day. Uh, Pogacar really for the day before stage eight, he was exceptional going up the climb. Love to see his attacking style. He also was doing it on stage nine. Um, he's so young. I think he became the youngest rider, at least in modern history, 
uh, for winning a stage in the tour uh, takes out uh, 1993 winner Lance Armstrong. So, uh, what, 21 years of age or so. Uh, and then Mark Hirsch, he's a U23 world, former U23 world champion. Second day on the move, uh, stage two, he was also out there, and he got up there with Julian Alaphilippe and Adam Yates, two guys that have drifted off the GC platform since then. And uh, Hirsch, with a great move at the end and not almost getting the win, being able to follow kind of the, 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 the problems that he had had with <clears throat> excuse me, uh, not the problems, but the, the situation he had had with stage two and not really being able to recover quickly or quite like he had uh, wanted to. Um, but it was, it was good to see that. And I, I, Adam Yates, um, I mean, sorry, Pogacar, uh, also a writer of great, um, I think you're going to see amazing things coming out of him because he's, he's one that we've, we've been able to see do really well. He did in the Vuelta last year. Uh, well, first of all, tour California year before he ends up, uh, you know, winning the, the final stage, not the final stage, but it was the one up to, I'm trying to remember the name of it, then in Southern California, steep climb. And he, uh, who was with him? It was Higuita that day. And you saw him kind of coming for, and you're like, who is this guy? He's a young guy. And then he ends up doing the Vuelta. And last week of the Vuelta, um, more and more, just kept getting better and better. And in the last week, uh, dropping everybody, Lopez involved, the only person that was really staying with him, was ended up being the one and only um, Roglic. So um, after that, who knows what he can do? He's pretty excited about this. He's not cutting his own hair. I think he's he's <laughs> he's primed to do just fine. And uh, we should see some excitement out of him uh, for the rest of the week. So I planned on pretty much Poland. I, look, the Slovenians, you've got the Colombians, all those on the top up there. There's a few French riders. We'll go. I want to talk about that real quick, and then we'll be done here for the day. Um, you have the f overall, so first place is Roglic, Slovenia. Uh, second place is Colombia, Bernal. Uh, and then you've got two French riders, Guillaume Martin and Roman Bardet. Roman Bardet said that this is the best, the highest quality tour uh, field that he's had. Um, and, and that's an interesting thing with COVID, right? You've got this COVID shutdown time. Guys, maybe they're better rested because they haven't been have, training so much. And, you know, some people are like, look, we need the training, the, the racing to get in shape. Somehow these guys are flying. They're putting up, uh, Brunel, um, sorry, Bardet said he's putting up numbers he's never done before. And yet everyone else is still doing it. And he's only 30 seconds off the lead. So that's pretty nice. Nairo Quintana, I've been very impressed with him. Colombia, though. Um, Rigoberto Uran, very impressed with him being able to stay in there as well. Colombia. Uh, Tata Pogacar, Slovenia. And then you have two oddballs here. We have Lopez at ninth. He's also from Colombia. And then uh, Great Britain, Adam Yates and uh, Mikel Landa from Spain. Um, so two French, one Great Britain, one Spanish, one, two, three, four Colombians, two Slovenians. Where's the Americans? Sepkus, where are you at for the Americans on this? All right, everybody. Thank you once again for joining us. That's episode 193. Look, we'll try to do this on uh, Facebook until we get our YouTube channel back up and running. Uh, appreciate it, though. So share the show if you can out there. At least tell people where to find it. And look for us. Make any comments you want. We are really happy that uh, we can at least try to provide a service for everyone here. So thanks, everybody. Between Two Wheels Podcast, episode 193 in the books. Take care.